Because all of your hope is gone and your life is filled with much confusion until happiness is just an illusion and your world around is crumbling down. Darling, reach out. Come on, girl or boy, reach on out for me. Reach out for me. I'll be there with a love that will shelter you. I'll be there with a love that will see you through. Just bear those words in mind. We're in Lent now. We've got some Lent devotionals left. We had them last week. There's still some available. So if you want one, please grab one. One per family. One per family. So please grab one before you go today. So I could see some of you starting to groove to the tune then, yeah? In the seats. Yeah. Yeah. Do it to worship as well. No. Um, but taking you back to your teenage years maybe at the dance hall. Yeah. Reminiscing at the disco, the milk bar. I don't know. That's what I've heard. <laughs> and if you're interested, the four tops are still going. They're still touring. They're in the UK later this year. And one of the tops is still an original. Just the one. But he's still going after 60 years. So, well done to him. But you tend to reminisce a bit more as you get older, don't you? Yeah? I filled my car up with diesel on Friday. And I'd had to go up to Nottingham the day before. And my thoughts went to the time that I first filled my car up with fuel after passing my test. Because, coincidentally, I was having to drive to Nottingham. I was never one of these people that, oh, I've passed my test, I can't drive on the motorway. I think about a week after I passed, my mum and dad said, can you go and get something from Nottingham for us? I was like, yeah, fine, I'll go. But I remember that, actually, back in 1994, February 94, 26 years ago, petrol cost 37 pence per litre. Lord, take us back. Now, I remember that to fill the mini up, it cost me about £13. I won't say what it cost this time. And my thoughts then went back to actually when my granddad used to tell us about how it used to cost him £3 or something to fill his car up with fuel. And if you keep going back on that logic, at some point, the garage must have paid you to fill your car up with their fuel. And then also doing this study with the Stoogie and the Beatitude. Stoogie, he said he was in a band. He was in the band Delirious. And growing up, they were the, the band that you had to see. Phil and I went to see him at different places around the country. I think Port Talbot was the furthest that we travelled to see them at the one time. But Liverpool, Manchester, Port Talbot, we went all around to see them. And sometimes when you're reminiscing, people use the frames. Times was hard, but we were happy. Yeah. It's a phrase that's often said around the Till family table when they're talking about Rose and Tony's wedding and about how they used to have a ham salad at their wedding. That was the, that was the wedding breakfast. It was a ham salad. And Gemma pipes up, times as are, but we was happy. <laughs> it's often said in the context of, you know, somehow back then we were happy, despite all the stuff we've got now, which we didn't have back then, we still managed to be happy. And when we look at all the stuff we have now, we can sometimes talk and use, it, use the terms like, we're blessed, yeah? We've been blessed with what we've got. So who feels blessed this morning? Oh, yeah, quite good, okay. Now, for those of you who do online banking, what if I were to say, open your banking app, have a look at your balance? Who'd feel blessed then? Okay. Okay, so it's the beginning of the month though, isn't it? So if I'd asked you last week... <laughs> Before payday to open your banking app and look at it. Who'd feel blessed then? Still some people. We'll expect more ties from you. No, no. <laughs> all right, all right. 
But we often think about those who are blessed as the ones that have, don't we? Those people who have the money, the lifestyle, the success, they're the blessed. And we can be guilty of that as Christians sometimes, can't we? We can uncritically regard financial improvement as God's blessing. The promotion, the new house, the new car, an unexpected share dividend. We can be very quick to label those as blessings. And you know what? They might be. And if they are, be thankful and thank God for those when, it, when they happen. But to just associate God's blessing with financial, material, abundance or wealth, it can be somewhat simplistic or even worse, dangerous. And it was Martin Luther who argued that it could lead to greed. We want to be blessed, don't we? We want to be a blessed people. We are a blessed people. And if blessing equals more stuff, why wouldn't we want more stuff? Yeah? But actually, it can lead us to look at people and say, well, they must be blessed. Look at their life. God must be blessing them. When actually, they're not in God's blessing. Look at our world for a moment. Everyone wants to be a celebrity, don't they? You don't have to do anything of note or value. You just need to find a way to be famous. Just film yourself, put it on the internet, and if people like you, you're famous. Because if you're a celebrity, you must be successful. And if you're successful, you can get all the stuff that you're supposed to want. But tragically, though, as we've seen in the press recently, you can seemingly have it all one day, and then the realisation comes, there's nothing of value. And it's not a 21st century thing, because good Jews were raised to believe that if you were blessed you would not be poor. And if you apply that to the situation that Job found himself in, in chapter 4 of Job, his friends insisted he must have sinned. He must have offended God, and that is why God had withdrawn his blessing. Prosperity, not poverty, was supposed to be the mark of God's blessing. And we read in Psalm 144, verses 13 to 15, Our barns will be filled with every kind of provision. Our sheep will, be, will increase by thousands, by tens of thousands in our fields. Our oxen will draw heavy loads. There will be no breaching of walls, no going into captivity, no cry of distress in our streets. Blessed are the people of who this is true. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. Now I thought at this point, should we get the farmers up to do bigger barns again? But now we've retired them for the moment. <laughs> but this idea about blessing, it was also a belief that was held by the ancient Greeks. In their version of the Beatitudes... The people they called blessed were parents for their children. So parents, if you've got children, you're blessed. No, you really are. It was the rich for their wealth, it was the wise for their wisdom, and it was the pious for their virtue. And yet, here we see in the Beatitudes, Jesus saying, blessed are the poor. The word used by the ancient Greeks for their blessing was the same word that Jesus used and it was makarios makarios should we have a go at saying it together makarios so for us today this message from the hill it's so well known isn't it blessed are the poor blessed are those who mourn blessed are the meek but just imagine today that you're hearing it for the first time you're hearing this message for the first time, blessed are the poor. How surprised would you be by what you've just heard? Jesus says, blessed are the poor. And you say, squeeze me? Did he just say, blessed are the poor? 
this really was something different. And those who heard the words of Jesus, it would have been quite shocking to hear that blessed are the poor. And you know what? There was no chance to go back to the podcast and say, did I hear it right? They had to listen to what Jesus was saying. But let's be clear. Let's, let's get this out of the way straight away. Jesus isn't calling us to a life of poverty. And he's not saying we should make a virtue out of being poor or poverty itself, as some have and do. We need to remember that this is the gospel of the kingdom. This is the king who was born a refugee in a manger who there's no space for. This kingdom hasn't come for those who you'd think it would come for. Jesus isn't praising the poor. Instead, he's announcing that despite their poverty, their powerlessness, this is the kingdom of theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They may have to do without riches, power, honour, even good days, but they are and will be blessed. Not with a temporary reward, but an eternal one. And it's more than that. Jesus wants us to notice something else about the poor. Because in the Old Testament, the poor refers to the materially poor and destitute. Numerous reminders about how to care for the poor in the Old Testament, yeah? Not to exploit them. But if you look at Israel's story, you see that the poor becomes a metaphor for the powerless. So Deuteronomy 24, 14 to 15, these verses are coming up on the screen again. Do not take advantage of a hired worker who is poor and needy, whether that worker is a fellow Israelite or a foreigner residing in one of your towns. Pay them his, his wages each day before sunset, because they are poor and they are counting it on it. In that verse, the poor takes on a face. It becomes a person. Yeah? It's not just a collective, it's a person. It's the woman who's had to sell herself into slavery. It's the man who doesn't eat if he doesn't get paid that day. It's those who depend on another for survival. There's more, though. In Psalm 35, we take verses 1 and 2 and then 9 and 10. Contend, Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take up shield and armour. Arise and come to my aid. Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord and delight in his salvation. Jesus is saying here, on. Sorry, then going down to, to verse 10. My whole being will exclaim, Who is like you, Lord? You rescue the poor from those too strong for them, and the poor and needy from those who rob them. Here, the poor's expanded again. It's not just a section of society, it's not just a demographic in society. It's a description of the plight of Israel herself. Yeah? Israel been overrun by enemies, attacked by bandits. It being threatened by extension of other empires. The poor here is Israel itself. So, the poor are powerless, and that includes God's own people. Surrounded and in situations out of their control, but yet there's another level, because in Psalm we see the poor are the God-dependent. Psalm 121, verses 1 to 2 says, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. And there's numerous verses we could look at through Psalms to see that. So we're okay. The poor, it's the powerless. It's those dependent on others. It's the God dependent. Yeah? So let's pause and pull it together. Because we need to remember again about when and how people were hearing this message for the first time. It's a society who still believes that keeping the law 
was the key to pleasing God. Yeah? Are we in agreement with that? And we've heard about that before, haven't we? We've talked about that, about how the law's been replaced. And by pleasing God, as we've heard this morning, you were blessed. That was what they believed, yeah? And Jews believed if God blessed you, you would not be poor. Therefore, the poor must have been those who had not been blessed by God. Yeah? Still following me? The poor were the ones who were not blessed by God because they hadn't kept the law. So the material poor would have been considered spiritually poor. And that perhaps helps to resolve the apparent discrepancy between the accounts in Luke and Matthew, where Luke says, blessed are the poor, and Matthew says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Yep. Because Jesus is saying here, the kingdom of heaven isn't for those who believe they deserve it through their own efforts. It's for those who recognize, actually, it's outside of their control. It's outside of our control. They're not going to achieve it through compliance with the law. And they recognize that their dependence on the mercy and grace of God instead is how they receive the kingdom of heaven. It's for those who see that the only way is through Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he made on the cross because he's the one who made a way for us. The message translation of Luke 6.20 says, you're blessed when you've lost it all. God's kingdom is there for the finding. So this message, you have to remember about how it's heard in the day. And it was countercultural back when Jesus said it. But what about now? What about today? And a world that says, if you want it, you can have it. The extra shot in your macchiato. Has anyone tried the new hazelnut macchiato? Mm, no? Okay. Um, you want to watch a television program you want to watch and, not, and pay for it and not pay for anything else, you can have that because we have a subscription service. And that's not a plug for the BBC. It's just, it's, it's a model, isn't it? You pay for what you want. And if you don't want it, why should you pay for it? And who knows where that leads to? But Jesus is saying, blessed are those who don't strive to have temporary treasures, for they can have something far greater. And that's not a criticism either of people who get their extra shot of macchiato or whatever else it is there. Jesus himself taught in Mark 8.36 that what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? You know, someone suggested that if the world were to write the Beatitudes for the world today, the first one would be, blessed are the self-reliant, the ones who are able to make something of themselves, for the best of this world is theirs. The complete opposite to what Jesus taught. And you could argue that, that this idea, this notion about man wanting to choose how they want things, not being dependent on God. It goes back to the Garden of Eden. When man was tempted to disobey by the serpent, because by eating the fruit of the tree of knowledge, man would become all-knowing like God, and therefore no longer dependent on God. And you know what, today people are still being spun that same old story, aren't they? You don't need God. People are still being spun that story and people are still falling for that illusion and that tale. And it's usually only when tragedy strikes or something happens that we wake up and hopefully we see and we realise at that moment that we do need God. Because without God, the, the consequences could be tragic. 
And some people, when tragedy strikes and they don't know God, they see no way out. Things happen like the marriage breakup, the health diagnosis that throws future plans up in the air, the disastrous business investment that just empties the bank account, the deadly accident, the event when suddenly we realise, actually, despite all our efforts, we're not in control and we're reminded of our own mortality. Because when we realise that we're not sovereign of our own lives, when we realise that we're God-dependent, when we have to depend on him, we're opened up to accept God's rule. So being poor is that move away from self-reliance to the recognition of that we are God-dependent. We're not blessed for having much, and we're not blessed for having little. We're blessed when we learn to be completely dependent on God. We look back to one of, if not the last significant move of God in, in Great Britain with the Jeffries brothers and their salvation and healing campaigns. When people queued around the block to attend healing meetings in Warsaw. People afflicted with sickness and poverty. Some men having to attend in the long johns because they had no smart trousers to wear. People with little hope looking for answers as they couldn't meet their own needs. Had nowhere else to turn to sought God for healing miracles, turned their dependence to God and received the healing plus salvation, received the access to the kingdom of heaven. You know, healing on earth is a foretaste of what it looks like when his kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah? But as we said, we live in a different world, don't we? Even from the 1920s, 30s, certainly living a different world from Jesus' time, but even from the 1920s and 30s, getting on 400 years ago. Well, most people do in Western society at least. For it's the same king and it's the same kingdom, isn't it? Same king and kingdom as it was back then. And we need to admit today, we can't do it on our own. We can't do it in our own strength. It's seen as a weakness, isn't it, by the world, admitting your limitations. But we have to admit that we are poor and in need of a saviour. In addressing the church at Laodicea, Jesus said, You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realise that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. So this morning, just before I finish and we watch the film, we've identified the poor, who they are, why they are blessed and what the reward is. But there's also a challenge for us today, a challenge for us who, who follow Jesus, because we are his hands and feet, aren't we? We're his hands and feet here on earth. So what are we doing to help the poor? What are we doing both to help people see that they need to be dependent on God, but actually how are we serving the material poor? And this is some of it here, the blessing bags, yeah? The food bank. We're doing it. We've been involved with homeless projects before. But what are you doing today to serve the poor? Because every time we help the poor, in Jesus' name, we're exposing them to the kingdom of heaven, aren't we? Yeah? Showing them what things could be like if we allow God to run things. If we put Jesus at the centre of all we do. So this morning, to finish back where we started. Now if you feel that you can't go on, because all of your hope is gone and your life is filled with much confusion until happiness is just an illusion and your world is crumbling down. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. 
with less of you, there is more of God and his rule. If you can have the lights and we'll watch the film, please. You're here today and that you're feeling that you're at the end of the rope. It might be because of finance. It may be because of health. It may be because just whatever you try just doesn't seem to work. But now that at that point, God is with you. God is with you and just turn around and say, I can't do this on my own. I can't do this on my own. God, I need you to step in because he's promised that he's there. So can I encourage you today that if that's you, if you are feeling that things, you have got to the end of the rope, just as every eye's closed now, just pop your hand up. And I know there's people here this morning that are struggling with health problems. And I've heard it a couple of times in the last few weeks. The people have started saying, it's just something that we have to live with. And God says, no, it's not. No, it's not. I've come to heal. So this morning, if you're sick, God wants to heal. If you've had enough, and as I said, I've heard it a couple of times, it's something I've got to live with. To me, that's giving up hope. You've come to the end of all you can do. If that's you, again, I'd invite you just to pop your hand up this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can I encourage you, if you've popped your hand up, to come forward to be prayed for? If you understand now, come forward to be prayed for. We've got a team that are ready to pray. This is about obedience. This is about us saying, I'm, I'm the poor. I've come to the end of my rope. And God, I need you to step in. You know, I can't, I can't give you the promise that you'll leave here today without the physical symptoms that you walked in with. I can't promise you today that the cheque is going to land to clear the, clear the debt. But we can give hope. You know, and we believe that God does deliver people from these situations. So if I can ask, encourage you to come forward. And the Penny, Penny, 